0: Thank you, choir and orchestra, magnificent music this morning. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts resonate with the truth that we have heard this morning with music. Father, we thank you for the greatness of your name. We recognize, Lord, your sovereignty, that you are king over all the earth, that you're the maker of heaven and earth, that you have made us. And so we have to do business with you, Father, because we belong to you, because you are our great king. So I pray, Father, that you who have blessed us in so many ways would teach us this morning what it means to be blessed and what it means to be a blessing. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. you ever studied your family history? How about your family religious history? One of my favorite courses when I was in school was uh, the history of religion in America. And I loved it, not only because Dr. Rufus Spain taught it, but because he asked us to do a project in which we would study our family history, and particularly uh, the family religious history, the connections that were made through the years and you know how memories are sort of infused with sights and sounds and smells and tastes so you can look back and think about a particular time and things that were happening for instance when i think of that class i think of going to long john silver's and eating battered chicken dinners i don't know why but i did that on my way to the library and then i would search through old census records and i would remember the the whistling sound of that Electric microfish, as it was searching the records for family members, and it became one of the most rewarding uh, studies of my life, particularly because I discovered that there were these um, these fiery Methodists in my family on the uh, in North Texas, they were white hot with the gospel, the Duff family, part of my family, and then And then also that there were there were Church of Brethren ministers on my father's side and I had never made that connection. And and then then to find that there were Baptists, that my father had a a great grandfather, great great grandfather who was a, a church planter, which became a part of my own understanding of my calling in life to plant churches. He planted churches along the Powell River up in Tennessee during the Civil War. And then there was my, my great-great-grandfather, Alfred Lafayette Writings, who uh, who helped found the Corinth Baptist Church. I'm not sure why, if you could choose any name of a church in the New Testament, why we, you would choose Corinth. It had so many problems, if you remember, but it was the Corinth Baptist Church. And uh, I remember years ago finding the old church minutes and written there, some in pencil, some in pen, the story of my family members and their contribution. And A.L. And Writings, my great-great-grandfather, who was who was caught dancing and and kicked out of the church. The good news is he repented of that. Uh, He he repented, but alas, um, I read on and he danced again. It just, you know, just, that's not part of my genetics as far as I know, but it was interesting just to read that. And if you studied your family history, I'm pretty sure you would find in there some really great people and maybe some really not so great people. You you would find people who were ministers perhaps and you would find people who were crooks. And in some cases they were the same people. <laughs> if you studied your family history, but what you discover is all of us have a heritage. All of us have a family and And, you know, from time to time, some people will say, well, I'm exactly like all the people who have my last name. And I always remind them, if you go about five or six generations back, there's 128 of your ancestors in that one generation, and only one of them bears your last name. Isn't that interesting? So lots of people infused. And what I discovered in my study was that in every case, when a couple came together, they would bring with them their religious heritages, and then there would be this sort of meeting in the middle maybe they would go one way maybe they would go the other or or maybe they would go no way at all but there would always be this collision of heritage and as i studied that i realized this is nothing new that even for instance in the book of genesis there's a man named abram and he has a family he had a spiritual heritage but when god called him up And out of that heritage, it changed his life and the lives of people down to this very morning in this very place. Would you open your Bibles with me? Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. We begin a new series from generation to generation. We're going to think about generational blessing. We're going to think about generational curses. We're going to think about how you and I can be a blessing to the generations that follow, just as the generations before us have blessed us. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let's stand together. Let's open the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading this morning from the ESV, which is not, as I look at it, a large print translation. So I'll be needing some help here. But now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth. Shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. You may be seated. God is good all the time. When we study uh, the book of Genesis, what we discover is that in the time when Abram was born, the world was was pretty much of a mess. and There were a lot of problems in the world, and there had been a lot of judgment already. Just to give you a brief recap, God creates Adam and Eve and places them in this garden, and they choose to rebel. They choose rebellion over relationship with him. They're unceremoniously evicted. They're their sons commit fratricide, Cain kills Abel, and then it sort of goes downhill from there. I mean, there are all kinds of problems, and though the world is developing and discoveries are being made, they discover music, for instance, they discover hunting, but in the midst of all that, with a few exceptions, just a few, with the exceptions of of Enoch and um, Noah, with the exceptions of those two men who walk with God, mostly it's bad news until there's, there's a flood and finally they build a tower, thinking like the Beatles in the 60s that they're bigger than God. And, and finally, God has had enough of that. And so he reaches into the life of a single family. But notice from the very beginning, his intent with that one family was to bless all the families of the earth. And so the way God set about that was to call Abram to come up and out of Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that he would show him. And in fact, if you read closely in chapter 11, it was actually Abram's father, Terah, who goes with them and moves them. But along the way, they settle into uh, the, the country of Haran. and there, And there they wait until after Terah passes away. And then Abram becomes obedient to God. And that's when God says, I am going to bless you. And the rest of Abram's story, through the ups and downs, and there are many ups and downs. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride through chapter 50. But what we discover is that God blessed Abram and his family. And we may wonder why. Do you ever wonder why God has blessed you the way he has? I was walking on the bayou this week. I wasn't thinking about sermons. I was just thinking about life. And I was thinking, I am living my dream. I am getting to do what I really love to do. I I don't know many people who get to do that. So I was just giving God thanks for that. And and sometimes you just wonder, why has God blessed me? Why has God blessed me? And I think in this story, we discover some answers to that question. God blesses us, it turns out, because that's just the kind of God he is. Because in the very core of his nature, he loves to bless. He blesses us because God knows we need to be blessed. Doesn't he know that? That we need to be blessed. And he blesses us, it turns out. Not just so that we can be blessed, but so that we can be a blessing to other people. Let me show you this in this story, that God blesses us because it's just who he is, that he blesses because you say, well, wait a minute, I've read the first 11 chapters and it looks like um, he likes to judge people. I mean, after all, Adam and Eve are kicked out. After all, there's a flood. After all, the people are scattered after the Tower of Babel is built. I mean, it looks to me like, like God's sort of cantankerous. But if you look closely, what you discover about God is that the whole time he has wanted to bless them, that in giving them the Garden of Eden, he said yes to everything except one tree it's just the human fixation on that one tree that got all of us in trouble. Adam and Eve eat an apple, and our teeth are set on edge for generations that follow. But even then, God doesn't give up on them, and He continues to work, and there are issues. And in the midst of this, there's a man named Terah, and He's got, you can read it in chapter 11, He's got three sons, but one son dies an untimely death, but He has a son named Lot. And there comes a point when Terah and Abram and Sarai and this grandson of Terah, nephew of Abram, Lot, they all sort of leave and they, they're headed toward Canaan. But they make a detour if you look at a map and they go sort of north and then they just, do you read it? They, it's there in chapter 11, verse 31. They settled there. It happens to a lot of people, this business of settling. You set out to do something great. To, to do what God has called you to do, but, but somehow along the way it becomes easier to just settle in. And so that's what they did. The, the, the cue is that that's the same word that's used of the people in Babel, that they settled there. I wonder when we settled. I wonder when we settled for less than God intended for us. When we became comfortable and complacent. When we decided to choose safety as the ultimate goal of our lives. Even more than being, being on mission for God. I wonder when we settled. I have good news for us. Chapter 12 tells us that even when we settle, God doesn't. And the story of chapter 12 is is the story of God's goodness, that that Abram, who settled in Haran, hears God's voice, and he begins to move toward Canaan again, and finds when he gets where God wants him to be, that God has been there all the time. And it's interesting how often God says in these verses, I will, I will, Will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless all the families. I love the ESV and the message on that. They get it right. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So God chooses this one family and blesses it, and then all these other families, right down to yours and mine, are blessed because of God's blessing. And when we look at the story, what we discover is God doesn't bless Abram because Abram was so good. God blesses Abram because God was so good. I heard it this week in one of those viral videos that goes around. I resist as long as I can. When I get about 50 emails, then finally I, I, I look. And, and uh, Carrie Underwood on um, a TV special saying how great thou art. I mean, it is, it is really good. Now, you say, well, that's not your tradition. Well, I, I grew up in that tradition. My dad loved two kinds of music, country and western, and so so it's not hard for me to sort of tune into that, and, and I, I picked up Carrie Underwood, and I just listened to that, and, and the introduction of this young woman who's won Entertainer of the Year twice, the only lady who's won Entertainer of the Year twice in, in that segment of music in the United States, and and she can choose any song, any one of her songs she wants to sing, but she chooses to sing of the greatness of God. And even in that little video, there was a, there was a, a bit of, a, of a, a lesson for me that here is one who's been greatly blessed and given the chance. She gives all the glory to God. Isn't that the right way to respond then uh, later in the week, I took our, our daughter, Melanie and I took our daughter, and we went over and saw this movie, Soul Surfer, which also has Carrie Underwood in it, interestingly. It's rather like going to church, this movie. It's not like many movies that you find coming out of Hollywood these days, but there's worship and there's, and there's anticipation. and There are real questions about pain. A young woman who loses her arm to a shark attack and then overcomes that against all odds the whole time saying, I can do all things through Him, through Christ who strengthens me. And just did a little research this week and on the Young People's People's Choice Awards, they say, where does your courage come from? And she says, I believe my courage comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And even out of that pain, she recognizes that God blesses us because God is who He is. Because He's just... So good. He blesses us because we need to be blessed. And when you read the story in chapter 11, verse 30, there's Sarai and she can't give birth to a child. And there's a deep sense of pain associated with that. And the and, and Lord knows she needs To be blessed, but but Abram needs to be blessed. He needs to come up and out of that heritage because Ur of the Chaldees for all for all of its technological wonders. And by the way, Ur of the Chaldees was an amazingly advanced place. Have you ever heard Bill Toler speak on the archaeology of that place? Ur of the Chaldees, it turns out, had had apartments not unlike our apartments today. They had running water. Go figure. These are these are millennia ago. Hot and cool water. I mean, an amazing amazing technological place, but nevertheless a place of great idolatry. And in that idolatry there was death. Terah moves, but Abram moves far from that and comes to the place where he worships only one God, the true living God, Yahweh, who is the Lord, and it's his own decision to come up and out of that which makes all the difference in his life because then he's in a position to receive the blessing that God has always wanted to give to him. When you think about the choices we make sometimes, they're, they're not always easy. I've been reading that book by Eric Metaxas about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Bonhoeffer came to the United States, given a a, a golden ticket to teach. He could teach here in the United States. He didn't have to be in Nazi Germany. He could have been delivered from all that. One of my friends who grew up in Germany said, you know, he should have just stayed in the United States. He was safe here. But something called his heart back to that country. It was God who said, "I, I can use you And something of his resonance and identity with his own people drew him back to that. We're always making decisions, aren't we? There's a wonderful book by William Alexander called The Sixty-Four Dollar Tomato. And in that book, he asked the question, if you were doomed to live the life you are living now for all of eternity, what would that be like? And then the corollary question, if the life you're living now is not the life you would want to live for all of eternity, then why are you living that life? Abram can't settle for being settled, and so he, he gets up and he moves, and, and as he moves, God begins to work, and the amazing story is that God blesses him because he needs to be blessed, because his life would have been empty apart from God. But it becomes full and rich because he chooses to go with God. It says in verse four, he went. God says, "Go," and he went. Bill Hinson was a friend of mine in this city, pastor of uh, First Methodist for years, and and he asked them to put on his tombstone, um, "Lord, he went," <laughs> which is just if you knew Bill, that was kind of his story. God said, "Go," and he just went. Well, that's Abram's story, and it's the heritage that he passes on. It's a heritage of obedience. I wonder, what is the legacy that we are passing on to the generations that come behind us? Is it a legacy of obedience to God, or is it a legacy of of self-centeredness? Is it a legacy of idolatry, worshiping things, being a consumer of this world? Or is it the legacy of being consumed with God? You're either consumer or you're consumed. Which is it? For Abram, it was all about God. And God blessed him, it turns out. Well, I love the ESV. That's why I chose this today. Because it says, God says, I will bless you and make your name great. How many people are seeking that? How many people want a great name? But it's in that, it's in that causal statement that follows, so that. Why would God make Abram's name great? Why do we remember Abram's name? So that you will be a blessing. Well, that's why God blesses. And we're going to see in the generations that follow that his, his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren will cry out for that blessing. They will seek that blessing above all other things. They want to be blessed. It's in the heart of humankind to be blessed. And, and my, my word to you is that if you have been blessed, the reason, without question, is that God wants you to be a blessing he never intended you to, to consume it upon yourself, but he wanted you to pass it on. I read it in the story of a young couple recently who got married and they um, decided not to have a big expensive wedding reception. Frankly, by the way, I never cared much about wedding receptions and their cost until about two and a half years ago. and then. I never thought, I mean, I'm from a whole family of boys, but, but when I have a daughter of my own, then I started thinking about that and that wedding this week and how much must that reception have cost. I have no idea. But here was a young family who said, we don't want to have a wedding reception for us. Father breathes a big sigh of relief. But we'd like to take that money, they said, and spend it on the homeless in our community. And so they buy 5,000 pounds of food and distribute it to a 100 families in their city. As if to say our wedding, even our wedding, is not about us. It's about passing the blessing along. How does Abram do that? Two things. First of all, he obeyed. He obeyed God. He did what God called him to do. What has God asked us to do? I read about Harmon Parker this week. Harmon Parker who who is an engineer, and he felt like God was calling him to build bridges in Kenya because there are flash floods there, and a lot of people lose their lives in Kenya every year to flash floods. He he found a a compatriot there, David Kakuko, who would help him because Kakuko lost both of his parents in one of those flash floods. And all they did was build 45 walk bridges to go across those streams in Kenya. They cost about $6,000 on average, about 125 feet long. But Harmon Parker made that his vision for life. He wanted to make a difference. He said, I want to save the lives of people whose names I don't even know because bridges give hope. Bridges offer peace. Bridges bring life. Bridges are beautiful, he said. And I can't do everything, but I can build bridges. What can you do? My, my passion is, is planting churches. I want the landscape of the United States, of Houston, of Texas, the United States, and the world to be filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every time Abram takes another step away from Ur, away from Haran, toward the land of Canaan, even though there are Canaanites in the land, the truth is God meets him there and gives him the grace. And you know what he's doing? He's just reclaiming territory for the kingdom of God because it all belonged to God at the beginning. But humankind has made a mess of it and so... Place by place, he pitches his tent and claims that land. And how does he do it? He obeys. And secondly, he prays. He builds an altar in each of those places. And he calls... Upon the name of the Lord. And I, I love that expression. If you go back to Genesis 4, it's one of the few bright spots in the early part of Genesis. It says, And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And when people start to call upon the name of the Lord, well, Romans 10, verse 13 says, Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved everyone who calls and that's how we change the world because when we call on the name of the Lord we are saved and that gives us the opportunity to share that good news with other people so he builds an altar and he fills that land with the fragrance of the worship of God and he's reclaiming and you and I just think about where you're going to go I ran into a man in my neighborhood last night and he told me about uh, his family who are members of our church and how because of their jobs they're compelled now on new traveling trips to go and I was just thinking what if everywhere Tallawood people went in this week and this month, we just in our hearts built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord in that place? One of my best friends is is in the Middle East for the next two weeks, and, and mostly in the places where he's traveling, they don't worship the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, but that doesn't mean he can't while he's there. And something changes when people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And what happens, he says, is not only is Abram's family blessed, but God says it's bigger than that. All the families of the earth. God wants to bless all the families of the earth, starting with yours, starting with mine. And one of the things I've noticed is That sometimes we want less for our families than God wants for them. Greg Haugen is the founder of International Justice Mission and he cares for the people who don't have a voice in our world who are being sold as slaves. And Greg Haugen says he thinks sometimes about all the things he's done for his kids and he wonders if they asked him Why have you done this? Why did you give me this food? Why did you give me these clothes? Why did you give me this education? Why did you give me this transportation? And he fears that his kids will say someday, why did you do all this? And he would have to answer honestly so that you'll be safe. And that his kids might look at him and say, that's it. That's all you wanted was just for us to be safe just so that nothing bad would ever happen to us. You gave us everything you could. That's all the dream you had for us. And Haugen says, God's dream for our kids is bigger than our dream. That these children who filled this platform this morning would become the missionary force to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nation so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. I'll tell you why God has blessed you. Because He's God and He's good. He's blessed you because... He knows you need to be blessed. But more than anything else, God has blessed you and me so that we can be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth by obeying Him, by praying, by calling on the name of Of the Lord. Will you do that this week? Will you look at your family history? Go back and see how God has worked. But don't stop with the past. Look into the future and ask God this question God, what do you want for the generations that follow? And how will you use your blessing in my life to be a blessing to my family and all the families of the earth? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing love and grace, and mercy. Help us, I pray now, to call upon your name in earnest and to find salvation in Jesus' name so that we will have more to offer to the world than just safety. God, help us not to settle when we have salvation to offer to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.